It's the Dry Heat Check, episode 15, also known as episode Stony Case with Greg Esposito and Jared Cohen. And uh, well, I mean, what more can you say? Stony Case, the lightning rod of the pre-Jake Plummer era for the Arizona Cardinals, right? I just, who would name their kid, even if it's a nickname, <laughs> who would name their kid Stony? Is it a nickname or was that his I actual don't know. Name? Honestly, I didn't deep dive on the origins of Stony, but it kind of scares me that somebody out there actually thought, you know what? This is a really good idea. His parents had to be hippies. There's Stony. there's no way they weren't hippies, right? <laughs> Stony Stony was the uh, quarterback for the Cardinals up until the what year before they drafted Jake he, Plummer? He was a backup in '95. He made one didn't start. play in '96. Started one game in '97. Played in three games. In that one game, he had like 306 yards, two interceptions. I think for his entire career that spanned Cardinals, uh, and he started in Baltimore and then played in Detroit, but didn't start there. I think he had. Four total touchdowns and 1,500 yards. So the typical Cardinals backup quarterback. And that resume is just flourishes when you think of naming an episode it after does. someone on the dry heat check. It, it, so Stony Case gets the nod. And an all-time great name. All-time I mean, great. It has Maybe to be. one of the best names in the history of Arizona sports. Other Cardinals, another quarterback, the original starting quarterback when they came to Arizona, Neil Lomax. The Grand Cannon. You remember grand, that? You remember that? No, Costacos I remember brothers, that. I, I, have uh, third, I, have, I remember that Him one for sure. With the uh, the uh, Grand Canyon imposed, it wasn't Photoshop back then. No Photoshop. It was uh, imposed behind him. You know, and one of those cheesy uh, nicknames. Did which, you say they're trying to bring those back? They are. You know what? I and they actually did one with Russell Wilson. I actually think that's where my cheesiness may have may have started with bad nicknames for sports teams. Was was that because I I remember how much I love those posters and Grand Cannon is pretty bad. That's a pretty bad one. Steve Breston wore the number fifteen. Very underrated receiver in the grand scheme of things in this Cardinals organization. And Michael Floyd. Well, not very underrated. It was nice to see him catch a touchdown last week. but Yeah, it was the been... only one he didn't drop, the only ball he didn't drop and last it, week. It was an imperative that he caught that one, but ultimately it didn't mean a thing. How about some stick em? That's Let's a good try idea. It, Michael Floyd. Hot hands Hanan, you know, from the little Giants. He wore that the, the <laughs> stick em, right? Let's get Michael Floyd some of that. How about some Phoenix Suns? There's some good ones. Danny Manning wore the number 15. One of the most disappointing injuries in Suns history when uh, Joe Klein fell on his knee in practice and blew it out. That's crazy, that story. Vinny Del Negro. Better better known as a broadcaster for the Suns or a spur who killed the Suns. Yeah, he was a spur who killed the Suns. He also coached the Suns for a little bit too, didn't he? No. He coached the Clippers and the Bulls. Okay, then just kick me off the show. <laughs> Nikolaj Skidishvili wore the number 15 yeah, for the came, Phoenix Suns. I believe came from the Denver Nuggets originally, was a draft bust there, came here, and uh, yeah, not didn't, didn't perform well. Speaking of not performing well in a Suns uniform, but maybe better elsewhere, Robin Lopez wore the number 15. Greatest contribution to the team was breaking a glass door in the practice facility when he stormed off. But I actually like Robin Lopez because he and I connected on the level of comic books and Batman and actually went and saw part of the Dark Knight Rises together. So I have a soft spot for Robin Lopez. You really saw it with him? I did. At the IMAX at uh, Tempe, uh, at the Arizona Mills in Tempe. 
Does he like popcorn? Does he like to be dialed into the movie? Is he there was dialed candy into the movie. He, went to? he was dialed into the movie because we we wanted to. Uh, it was a, a an advanced screening of the first ten minutes of The Dark Knight Rises, and we uh, we went to see that. That's pretty cool. It, that is a very nerdy, boring story, and I apologize. I love for it. That. I love it. Marcus Morris. We'll move on. Alan Williams currently wears the number fifteen. The North High product. One of the guys that I am genuinely rooting for to perform well this season for the Suns just because it's such a great story. He's living the dream we all had. He grew up a Suns fan here in town and now gets to play for them. That That's every young boy's dream. And it's a classic example of if you don't get the big-time offer out of high school – what you make of your college career ultimately reflects if you can make it to the league or not. He went to UCSB, right? Yep. Went to UCSB, had a monster career, has worked his way up, and now has a guaranteed contract with the Suns. I think he was one of the the leaders in rebounding in the nation in his time in college, too. Hard worker. That's what I like about it. If you're looking for a guy to root for, he's your guy. This, the Arizona Diamondbacks have some good guys that wore the number 15. And they've all been fun. Oh, wait, that's later. That's the next segment. <laughs> oh, Sorry. yeah, whoops. Sean Green. Got love for Sean Green. He didn't yep. quite play as well in a Diamondbacks uniform as he did a Dodgers uniform, but Sean Green wore the number 15. This is true. Dan Heron, who had some phenomenal seasons with the Arizona Diamondbacks, wore the number well, 15. Still was better with the uh, with a few other teams than, than he was with the Diamondbacks, but... Uh, Micah Owings, after Dan Heron left, switched to the number 15. And I loved Micah Owings because rare do you find a pitcher who is used to be pinch hit to, as a pinch hitter or actually was a DH in, a, in an interleague game how he, when he was on the Diamondbacks. How he never went the Rick Ankeel route and became an outfielder was beyond me because the guy could swing the bat. Or even if he went and played first base, I mean, it wasn't like Connor Jackson was tearing the cover off the ball in those uh, days. Another and, failed number one pick from the Diamondbacks past. Yep, that's number 16. Maybe we give him a shout-out next week. <laughs> uh, Mark Trumbo, disappointed. <laughs> another yeah, Now let's, leading let's the league a, in home runs. Let's talk about Mark Trumbo for a second, uh, amongst others. So Mark Trumbo... Monster season. Do we want to save this till next, till till the first topic? Because it, it kind of okay. We'll get kind of plays it. into this. Well, it does. You're right. Phil Gosselin, the current Diamondback, wearing the number 15, and some Coyotes now, and some names that I remember from my childhood, paired with some good names yeah. presently. Oh, so like 2005. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Craig Janney. Remember Craig Janney? I do he was not. the second line center. Behind Keith Kachuk on those great teams, weren't you a oh, season wait, ticket I do, holder? I do remember Craig Janney. Come on, I was thinking Allison Janney from the West Wing, but then yeah, I remember Craig. Yeah, get your mind right. Craig Janney was a was a was a key piece to that team. I added this guy just because it was one of my favorite names in the history of the Coyotes, a Czech Republic native, Radoslav Suci. You could have screwed that up, and I'd have no clue. Yep. Well, I got it right. All right. Um, Mike Zigomanis, Zigomanis, he was there under Gretzky. Matthew Lombardi and Boyd Gordon. We need all a, the number we 15. need a pronunciation guide for the for all these Coyotes guys. I have fun with them. I think I do okay with them. But you're no Bob Heathouse, but you're right. oh, absolutely not. So that are the uh, those are the honorable mention number 15s with the professional sports in town. <clears throat> Let's talk Arizona Diamondbacks, Espo, to, to start things off. You know, we mentioned it a little bit in the beginning. Uh, they blew everyone out. They fired uh, Dejon Watson a few weeks back. They fired Chip Hale, and they fired Dave Stewart. I know that was an action that you wanted to see happen. Um, not that you want people to lose their jobs. That I don't want to sound like a jerk or make it sound like you're a jerk, but you 
you said that there needed to be a change weeks ago, and you got it. So now what are your thoughts? I'm sorry. I'm distracted. It's around lunchtime. You said Dijon and Chip. I'm really hungry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, Does that no, go well together? Yeah, I'm weird. But anyways, I, I like you said, I never want to see anybody lose their job. But Dave Stewart never seemed like he really genuinely wanted to be a general manager in Major League Baseball, it almost felt like he was doing it out of obligation to Tony La Russa. And at times, the production that he had as a general manager felt like that. It's the right move for the Diamondbacks. Now, I don't necessarily agree with firing Chip Hale. I know that you're going to want your general manager to be able, your new general manager to be able to hire his own guy. But Chip Hale was, was dealt a bad hand. Had success in his first year, surprised a little bit there. This year, unrealistic expectations and just wasn't really given a chance to succeed. Now, some people argue, well, he made bad managerial decisions. I'm not 100% convinced still that Tony La Russa wasn't part of, of trying to feed what he wanted to see a, ma- a, a manager do with baseball decisions. Because you can't tell me that Tony La Russa, who spent his entire illustrious baseball career outside of the time he spent as chief baseball op- officer, as a manager. So you can't tell me he wasn't trying to get in Chip Hale's ear and say, hey, I'd like to see this, or have you thought about this, or putting some pressure on some of those decisions that Chip Hale made. I think we'll see Chip Hale have success down the road, but I totally understand why you would do it. I just wish it hadn't happened. I think he could have had success later on. Now it sounds like Tony La Russa won't have anything to do with baseball decisions uh, or won't be making them. Yeah, he'll have an advisory role, If he chooses to take it, which the last I heard, he hadn't decided whether or not he was going to take that role. It sounds an awful lot like uh, Kevin Towers when Larusa came in, they offered him the same kind of advisory role, and and he left. And I wouldn't be shocked if Tony Larusa does it as well, because that's a a large step down and a quite the ego bruise for a guy who who views himself as a great baseball mind. But honestly, it needed to happen. These guys were not suited for the positions that they were in. Uh, Tony LaRussa, and this week just proved, and we've talked about it on the show before, he was the Arizona Diamondbacks, what Wayne Gretzky was to the Coyotes. A, a guy that came in with a big name from doing something else in the sport and then wound up screwing everything up. Let's be, let's not mince words. The Diamondbacks are the laughing stock of Major League Baseball right now. They have been accused of taking lesser trades to help out people that they knew the front office in that in a deal with the Boston Red Sox you had Tony La Russa on multiple occasions stepping in it with the media in terms of I think it was Pittsburgh when he busted into the broadcast booth and and gave a piece of his mind to the to the Pirates broadcasters and then weighing in on Colin Kaepernick for God knows why uh, I just it was a mess over there and it it was time for a change I don't disagree with you whatsoever, especially when it comes to uh, Chip Hale. What I was saying for weeks, though, was this organization in the worst way needs stability, and I was so much rooting for them to be able to find common ground and have a plan and stick to it and give this another shot because starting all over again, um, it just looks bad. 
It, it, it Nothing from this season looks good. No. But I was of the opinion for a long time that you need stability in order to have success. And jumping ship on them this early, you know, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe you're right. Maybe Dave Stewart wanted nothing to do with this anymore. It, it kind of reflected that in his quote with Bob Nightingale this week. That yeah, where he, has, he was relieved. Where he felt relieved and he has better things to do. You know, I mean, good. If that's how you feel, don't let the door hit you. You know, but... Here's, uh, here's. I want to switch this into what's moving forward, okay? This seems like, to me, and I could be wrong, and I could be living too much in the present, but this seems like, to me, one of the biggest decisions this organization has had to make in the history of the franchise with what they do. Maybe that seems really grand scale. Maybe when they went to Josh Burns or fired Josh Burns to go to Kevin Towers, maybe then it felt like the biggest decision. But when you think about the horrible attendance, when you think about the drama around the ballpark, when you think about the national perception of the team, and when you think about the complete lack of success, the person that comes in next has to succeed, and they have to get it right for so many different reasons. And they need to, as an uh, organization, reevaluate everything from how they attack their uh, personnel, how they, they, they get their, their players, how they scout their players, going young. We are both in agreement. I said it a few weeks ago that they need to get the Theo Epstein mold you agree that they need that younger way of thinking? They're innovative when it comes to their uniforms, whether you like them or not. Maybe they need to be in that sort of thinking when it comes to how they manage their organization. But the way I look at it is this organization has watched players leave here and become exponentially better. And there's a long list of them. You start it with Max Scherzer, them jumping ship on him. You look at what Mark Trumbo has done this season, what I started to say when saying he wore the number 15. He's been a monster, led the league in home runs, made the all-star team. Tyler Clippard in a relief role with the Yankees this year. The Yankees were supposedly selling. They got rid of their closer and moved Batonsis into the closer role, Clippard into the setup role. Clippard ended up being better than Batonsis was from a number standpoint. You also have Addison Reed as a reliever who was supposed to be the team's closer going forward. They traded him to the Mets. He's had a phenomenal season. There are so many, and that's just four names. There are way more you can mention. Well, and it's the development of, of the youth in the organization. Exactly. Too. So that's what I'm going to. The development of the players, development, the coaching of the players while they're here. Okay, Shelby Miller got here, and he had a great season with Atlanta the year prior, albeit the wins and losses didn't reflect it, but the whip, the ERA, the strikeouts, the strikeout-to-walk ratio, everything on paper looked good minus the wins and losses, and all of a sudden he imploded, and this organization couldn't figure out what the heck was wrong with him. He's not the first time that that type of thing has happened with. It's just been highlighted because of what they gave up to give him. So this organization needs to bring someone in that's ready to just Throw the entire city, the entire franchise, the entire division, the entire league for a whirl and be like, we're going in strong. They're going to say all the right things, but they have to do it. And if that means making crazy moves and that means taking on a, a persona that has been different from what we've been used to the last few years, then so be it. Because this team in the worst way needs to alter its identity from top to bottom, front office to clubhouse, and it needs to be done right away. It's a systemic issue, and you have to rebuild. In baseball, it's not just build, rebuilding the big club. you got to rebuild your minor league system, and you need somebody that can look at it as a complete thing and decide how you do it, 
from all the way in short season, single A rookie ball up to the majors. You need to get rid of this old school mentality that analytics is is crap and embrace it and figure out how to build this organization using the numbers, the insight, and everything at your disposal. Because that's what Epstein did with the Cubs and the Red Sox. It's what baseball is moving towards. You have to look at it. And you talk about stability. I can tell you from a first firsthand experience, that stability starts at the, at the top. It's starts with ownership and you need somebody in Ken Kendrick he needs to learn patience because you can't rush a process if it's going to be to build things right you can put band-aids on things you can try to rush things you can throw 208 million dollars at a guy you think's going to be an ace even though he looks like he's at the at the back end of his career or you can look at a full-fledged picture and say, this may take four or five years, but this is how we're going to get there. We're going to commit to this path, and we're going to trust the person that we hire to do this right. If you don't do that, and if it does not start at the top with Ken Kendrick, you are never going to fix this cycle. It is a broken cycle right now. We've seen it over and over again. These guys get two, three years. They're forced into trying to make a team a contender before it's ready to be a contender. And then it all starts to fall apart and they get fired and we start the cycle all over again. It is a bad relationship at this point. It starts at the top. You have to figure it out and you have to be willing to accept it's going to take time to build this right. Are there pieces? Yes. There are pieces here, but you have to embrace a culture, a overall mindset and philosophy that's going to permeate throughout the entire organization, minor leagues included, scouting department included, and embrace that. If you don't, you're never going to get anywhere that you want to go. That's Greg Esposito. I'm Jared Cohen. This is episode Stony Case of the Dry Heat Check. Let's switch gears to more good news. The Cardinals lost again last week to the Los Angeles Rams. And before we get started, you introduced the Nick Cage scale of the first few weeks of the season. I'm changing it to the Nick Cage spectrum. The Nick Cage Cage spectrum. Maybe we'll get a sounder or some sort of (laughs) cool intro for that. so and it got great reviews. So we're going to bring that back after as a result of uh, last week's performance. First, remind everyone what the first three weeks were, and now looking oh, at week- crap, I got to remember what I said last I th- week. I know you said the honeymoon loss- in Vegas was the first was the first one, I believe, and then the win. The win was. Leaving Las leaving Vegas Las because Vegas. it was his Oscar performance, and then Wicker Man. Wicker Man was the loss was the, to Buffalo. Was the loss to Buffalo. So so now. The loss to the Rams on the Nick Cage spectrum. The Nick Cage spectrum this week, the loss to the Rams is left behind. Now, you probably don't remember this this movie. No. Because most people don't. (laughs) It was kind of an apocalyptic movie having to do with Nick Cage being a pilot and all hell breaking loose. Literally, all hell breaking loose. It just feels right. Because that was an embarrassment of a film. It was about the apocalypse. And nobody took it seriously, which all can describe the Arizona Cardinals after the loss to the Rams. Hell is breaking loose. Carson Palmer's head slams against the ground. Tavon, uh, Tr- uh, Tyvon Branch goes down with could be a season-ending injury, as does Chris Johnson. The two of them are in a race to get who can get healthier. Um, and plus, they lose a divisional opponent like the Rams at home for the second straight year. 
it was a seriously an apocalyptic world is ending type of performance. And no you, question. You do so poorly that you make a guy named Case Keenum actually look like a legitimate player. Case is the which, word of the day, by the which way. Nick, Stony Case and Case Keenum. Nick Cage's performance was so bad, I'm sure he made some B and C level actors in that movie actually look like passable actors like the Cardinals did with Case Keenum. Interesting. interesting. I, that's that's where we are on the Nick Cage spectrum. And, you know, I got to be honest, I think we're kind of heading towards if if they lose this week on Thursday to the 49ers, we're going to be at Bangkok dangerous level, all right? <laughs> we're at this this was meant to be serious and 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 a a good film and a good season, and now it's just laughable. Because there's entertainment value in Bangkok Dangerous, but it's for all the wrong reasons. Nick Cage has got one of the worst wigs, long hair, ridiculous. It's very much what this season will be if they lose to the 49ers on Thursday night football in front of all of the world watching. If there is a win from the, you know, and I don't want to date this show. There's no wins. There's no wins. If they win on Thursday night. Where would that fall in the Nick I Cage I will tell spectrum? you next week. Tune in. Win. That's the ultimate tease right there. There we go. Uh, so, so yeah, Espo, we're now at the point now, and I, and I kind of I kind of sounded off on Twitter a little bit as a result of that loss. I wasn't, I wasn't bashing anyone. I wasn't having any crazy hot takes. I was just keeping it real. The team realistically now has a very legit concern of even if they're going to make the playoffs at this point, which is unbelievable because, you know, we were – we were texting when that game was over, and we talked about for weeks how the expectations on this team need to be tempered because until they win a Super Bowl, this is still the Arizona Cardinals, and this is still Arizona sports. And only one time in the grand scheme of things here have, have they gotten over that hump, and I think the organization is still paying for it, literally. Yep. So I think Bernard Gilkey's finally getting his last <laughs> paycheck from the Dimebacks. Coming right up now. soon. So, But I never thought that I always thought this team should and would make the playoffs. This is a realistic concern of even if they can do that because they have gone through the easy part of their schedule. They have gone through a a four-week span playing three teams that weren't in the playoffs last year, and all three of those teams probably won't make the playoffs this year either. Buffalo's not. Tampa Bay is not. And the Rams, even though they sit in first place right now, are probably not going to either. And it's just blasphemous to me that this team has lost three of four, and the one the, at the beginning of this year, the Patriots, was against their backup quarterback who had played for about five minutes in this league uh, at home. Look, so it's they just, lost it's, to Tyrod Taylor, Case Keenum, and Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I mean, Tyrod... Who, who are any of these guys? It's true. I mean, Tyrod Taylor kind of proved himself a little bit last year as being a, a, a guy that legitimately could be a starter in this league, and it was at home. But albeit, it still isn't a elite all-pro quarterback no. that they lost to. So you look at what's ahead. The Cardinals never play well in San Francisco. Even when they won last year there, that was a grind of a game, and it was ugly. And that was the game Chris Johnson got hurt last year. You know, you play these divisional games, and you just hope to come out with a win and hope to come out healthy right after that. You're not going to have Carson Palmer. You're going to have Drew Stanton. We'll get to more on that in a minute. But the focus here is on a 
on a team that is going up against a 49er team that hasn't been able to put it together yet defensively, inconsistent offensively, has Blaine Gabbert as their quarterback, and you think to yourself, oh, Blaine Gabbert's their quarterback. Well, the Rams had Case Keenum, and and the Buccaneers had a Jameis Winston, who's young, and the Patriots had Jimmy Garoppolo. So it, this game is extremely frightening going into Thursday night, not to mention it's a Thursday night game on the road, which road teams just never play well. Oh, the Thursday nights are trap games in general for most teams, especially ones that, that are struggling like the Cardinals are and now are fighting key injuries as well. I, you're totally right. This team is now going to struggle to just get into the playoffs. Now, there's, they're, they're talking, well, we can win the rest of our games, and we believe that. Okay, we'll go out and prove it because you're one in three, and I'm I'm skeptical that you can win your second game this week, let alone win the rest of your game. So put up or shut up time for the Arizona Cardinals. And forgive me, I I am now a cord cutter, so I can't I don't watch local TV or or any of that. Is the media still wearing their Cardinals jerseys and, and playing the role of cheerleader, or have we uh, surpassed that point now? And are we back to the normal? Uh, kind of way we deal with Arizona sports. I'm just going to let that hang there for a second and then (laughs) move on to our next topic here as we bring up Drew Stanton. So Drew Stanton, um, hey, he had some success when he was the starter a couple of years ago when he's had to come in. Some. Yeah, I'm not going to say he was phenomenal. He had some success. And one of those was a comeback win at home against the Rams, which they haven't been able to do with Carson Palmer at quarterback the last two years. Just throwing that out there. To be fair, Stanton was in there for the end of the game and didn't really help his case much uh, against the Rams, too. Yeah, but year. I'm talking about when they he led them back two years ago. Oh, I know. I'm he just saying. He came in for the injured yeah. Carson Palmer, and he ended up having that huge touchdown to yeah. John Brown, the rookie John Brown at the time. Yeah. Um, and he was able to come back, which he wasn't able to do last week. Yeah. That's neither here nor there. Here's the question I ask for you, though, Espo. If you had the choice, which fictional quarterback would you have more confidence in to start Thursday than, Joe, than Drew Stanton? Steeman Willie Beeman. I that's, thought you might that's, go that that's, way. I, I love the swagger. I love the fact that he's been coached by Al Pacino. I don't remember what his name was in the film, but he gives the greatest five-minute speech in the history of sports films about the inches that we need are all around us. It's true. That, oh, that's a plus, great speech. Plus, Willie Beeman is going to give you the entertainment of throwing up before the first uh, first play at the line you of scrimmage. You like seeing people throw I, up? I just, it's entertainment, all right? It, it's, it adds to the, the, the lore of what he could do if he came in. And in the movie, he comes in for Dennis Quaid, an aging quarterback at the tail end of his career that had had success, but... You didn't know what the future held. Well, sounds an awful lot like what's going on here. I would love to see Steeman Willie Beeman come in and be the the Cardinals version of uh, of uh, now I'm blanking on his name. The guy that played uh, Cam Cam Newton. Yeah, Cam. <laughs> I can't I can't think. What do you want from me? <laughs> I'm thinking about Chip and Dijon in my lunch. Yeah, you're starving. Your stomach's rumbling. Um, you're right, and I, I think that what exactly what this town needs is a quarterback that also releases rap videos too you know so that would that would be very helpful mine it seems like an obvious choice because this guy was already a replacement quarterback you're you're going he already had success coming out being cold and winning games when the team was struggling Shane Falco if you need to win a game Thursday or win from here on out if Carson Palmer continues to be out with a concussion I'm going Shane Falco look Pain heals, chicks dig scars, 
Glory lasts forever. That's Shane Falco. You want glory to last forever? You start Shane Falco over over Drew Stanton. Shane Falco was a poor man's Jake Plummer in that movie, and I want nothing to do with a poor man's Jake Plummer. We lived through the rich man's Jake Plummer, and that almost killed all of us. I don't want the poor man's Jake Plummer. Plus, Keanu Reeves does not strike me as a guy, even as Shane Falco, who could remember a playbook, all right? Oh, he can remember a playbook. He did. He he remembered Gene Hackman's playbook. Playbook. I just I don't see come on it. Gene Hackman the coach of Hoosiers uh, I just uh, the failed he the was admirable a, he was a crimson wa- tide he was a washed out Ohio State quarterback all right in that movie who couldn't win who, the big one when the play was on the no. line and then he did and he did it against a bunch of replacement players no at the in end the, he came in against end, Dallas against I know Dallas and they had they had their real team no, the suit the no. champ the defending champions I would he rather, came in he kissed the cheerleader and then he got it done I that would, is the guy that the Cardinals need right now. I would rather have the drunk British kicker from that movie <laughs> than I would the than special, I would Shane Falcon. The way special teams has been this season, I wouldn't mind that either. Also, the cheerleader he kisses was like the first 40-year-old cheerleader in professional sports, too. If, <laughs> oh, if we go back and watch that movie. Taking shots Great movie. I love it, but I would not go with Shane Falco. Willie Beeman would be my guy. Willie 100%. Beeman would bring it. Give you uh, the swagger that you need to actually win some games. Okay. He would have the swagger, but I think the uh, Shane Falco effect would bring some Ws. That's just what I think. He'd give you the heart and the passion. The airing of grievances, Espo, it's, it's, uh, it's been, let's say, uh, entertaining to say the least with you the last few weeks. You know, you had the um, Arizona sports, make Arizona sports great again. We still need to do that, by the way. We do. We're still working We're on that. We're failing miserably. You're, you're at this pl- point. That's why they need to elect you. They here do. Coming up, it's almost November. Czar right? of Arizona sports, right? Espo in. Yeah, write them in. Just pencil them in. It'll work out. Then last season, uh, great, great. Um, I don't want to call it a rant, but a very good, very great comments on a serious issue here locally uh, that made national news. So now I sit back, I have my popcorn out, and I look forward to this week's edition of your airing of grievances. Well, look, uh, and. We're on a podcast, so I'm going to say something I wouldn't say if we were on an actual radio show. We've dealt with a lot of bullshit in this town from our sports teams. You're right. All right? We have. And a lot of promises and a lot of false promises and things that teams couldn't live up to, bravado that they couldn't live up to. Just take, for example, the Cardinals that we were just talking about or the Diamondbacks who were walking around talking playoffs and World Series and division titles before this abysmal season. And we hear a million marketing slogans and all sorts of promises that come with those marketing slogans. Well, I'm going to take today to applaud the Arizona Coyotes for something they didn't. If you don't mind, I'm going to read something that they put out earlier this week. They said, we're sorry. Sorry for all the slogans and taglines. Sorry we we asked you to join the hunt, run with the pack, and be Coyotes cool. Especially that one. (laughs) Sorry for hockey. Did they write that or was that your No, they they did, which is why I would like this. So back to what they said. Sorry for hockey headquarters. Together we're full strength and not your dad's original six. We get it. We're sorry for the insecurity and not by choice that we face new questions and question marks seasons after season. But hey... 
It's hard to overcome becoming the underdog, no pun intended, without facing some adversity. But we will overcome. We need you to buy in, and we need you to see the heart and dedication and sacrifice that our players are bringing to the ice every night. We need you to see our commitment to this community and to the entire state of Arizona. We're not merely going to promote that we're here to stay, which was one of their slogans. We're going to show you. We're not going to tell you that we're one pack. We're going to show you. We're not going to tell you it's hockey the hard way. We're going to show you. No taglines, no promises, no excuses. Coyotes 2.0. I like that. That's putting your money where your mouth is and not giving us more crap that we have to try to swallow and promising us stuff you're not going to deliver on, all right? We've seen it throughout this town. Millions of slogans. We back the D-backs and all this crap. Even We Are PHX, which I really liked, but it was banking on the past and the, hey, we are this city. We were the city's first. Well, you know what? If you don't live up to being the city's present, the past isn't going to matter very long. The Coyotes came strong with this, and now they have to live up to it. They have to stop with, they have to come up with a solution for their arena and where they're going to be long term. They have to win on the ice with these young kids and they have to put it where put where their money put the money where their mouth is and i like that they're doing it they're coming out and they're saying look we've crapped the bed over the last decade in this city we've made promises we couldn't keep we've hired people that gutted this franchise we've dealt with bankruptcy and ridiculous leases it's time to put that in the past and prove ourselves and i wish more teams would do this The Phoenix Suns need to do the same thing. They need to put their money where their mouth is. The Arizona Cardinals need to put up or shut up against the 49ers and the rest of the season to prove to us that no longer are we a laughing stock and that we can actually buy into the fact that a team is expected to win. And the Diamondbacks need to make the right hires to prove that they actually know and understand the temperature of the game of baseball right now and where it is headed. This has as much to do with what we were talking about when we were talking about making Arizona sports great again as anything. No more excuses in this city. Todd Graham is on the hot seat. Rich Rodriguez in this state is on the hot seat. Start proving that this is a place to actually win games and win titles. Otherwise, get the heck out. That's Greg Esposito. I'm Jared Cohen. Espo, we haven't done this in a couple weeks and we need to bring it back. How can people find us how, on our podcast, how can people be a part of it, subscribe, and 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 be along for the ride? All right, let's start. Twitter, at Dry Heat Check. Facebook.com slash Dry Heat Check. You can find us on Instagram. I haven't posted much there, but Instagram.com <laughs> slash Dry Heat Check. You want to subscribe to the show? Go to iTunes or Google Play and search for Dry Heat Check. Subscribe leave a review. I'm not going to beg you anymore. Either you do it or you don't. I don't care. It's that's, your, that's the dry heat check uh, 2.0 mentality. That is. You, you come in. If you like the show, that's the way you pay for it because we put blood, sweat, and tears into this, and you don't ha- you, we don't charge you for it, all right? So a review is your way of paying it back, and if you want to be a cheapskate and not actually do that and, and really just be a poor Arizona sports fan, you go right ahead. You're a direct right? reflection of why our pro teams are struggling. You are. So get in there and review if you actually want to be a good sports fan. You can also look at dryheatcheck.com, which will take you to the great, the wonderful Sports360AZ.com, where you can find every episode of the show 
right there. So that's every way you can get involved. We want to hear from you. Tweet at us because, you know, it's fun to always make fun of you guys on the show. That's Greg Esposito. I'm Jared Cohen. This has been the episode 15 Stony Case episode of the Dry Heat Check.